busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer with all honesty. Uh, what would you consider the most valuable, powerful part of you or any other human being? Like, if you had to single-handedly say, mm, not money, not anything that, well, let's put it this way, nothing tangible, right? If you had to say, if I could go ahead and assume one power that ultimately every individual kind of has, if they tap into it, it would be, ta-da, what would you say? I had to ask myself that question. And don't laugh, it's not corny. Uh, you know what I came up with? You promise you won't judge? Yeah, because it's a judgment-free phone call. Okay, great. Um, your mind. No, listen, it's not cliche. It's not the, I'm telling you, because watch this. Okay, I'm, I'm going to simply tell you a story just to prove my point. You ready? Okay. So I went and sat in this particular chair I didn't look at it before I sat down it just was pretty much you know I was tired of standing up and so I decided I wanted to go ahead and sit down I was in a public place and I sat down and all of a sudden I started like feeling a little bit itchy right and so I'm like okay I felt it on my ankles at first I just kind of like tap stomped my foot real quick didn't really pay no real attention to it and then I started feeling like a burning sensation around not one but both ankles and so I'm like oh, okay this is ridiculous Come to find out, I look down, there is a series of fire ants. I'm talking about all within my shoes, down my socks, up my pants. So now I'm looking down at my lap to see, like, okay, did I step in an ant pile? Like, what happened? Tell me why I'm now sitting down and I'm realizing that it's not only spiders in this particular chair, uh, but there's gnats. I, I must have been zoned out. I don't know, just not paying attention to my surroundings. But I'm looking at my arms, and it start. I, I see these just mosquito kind of bites or whatever. And I'm like, is it the perfume I was wearing? Like, what was happening? Like, the amount of irritation and burning and itching that was happening. I immediately got up, and so I'm shaking it off of me, trying to get it off of me. And do you realize what's happening as I'm telling you the story right now? Let me guess. Are you starting to itch? <laughs> was there something in you that was like, oh, like out of the, you wanted to start scratching your arms and yeah. W why do you think that is? Huh? Uh, why do you think when you see commercials, you get hungry? Why do you think when you watch movies that are not based on a true story, uh, you get emotional? Hmm? Lion King. Okay. Uh, the notebook. <laughs> yeah. Up. You know, the animation, what have you. Do you realize that if you focus on something, even for the minuscule minutes of just hearing someone tell a story, that your mind uh, forms a bond to it, which then allows for your body to respond as if it's real. Now, you scratching your arms, what, what ampow you stepped on? none right yeah but your your mind said I'm going to be committed to what I'm hearing 
And so much so that uh, I can get the body to kind of join in and start to form some type of reaction to what is being heard. Uh, And so that now, (laughs) even though we're in two different locations, you're itching upon a story that you didn't even experience. When I had that thought today about what was the, what could be the most valuable thing that is undervalued, undermined, E or the above in each person, including myself, it was the mind. I sat down today and I was like, because sometimes I have my little thinking chambers in the TMI section of the house. You, porcelain throne okay I want to make sure you understood and so I was thinking I said why is it that when we're on the brink of getting ready to manifest what God has for us bring it into fruition uh, make a change in our lives like do something amazing why is it that our mind is played against us and that we are either uh, arrested by fear Rebuke that in the name of Jesus, where we we start to internalize all the things that may or may not work. Um, where we start to then go back to the Eden mindset of like, did God really did say that you were going to be? And we start to question what we heard in uh in our hearts and what God downloaded into us. So we start to question our private time in, in a in a public way. Um, why aren't you starting that business? How come you didn't take that relationship to the next level? Why didn't you take that leap of faith and apply for that promotion? Why did you read that job description or automatically just disqualify yourself? Like, bro, apply. Let somebody tell you no and then let them give you the reason for the no. Like, why is it that when it's time to go ahead and move out of that car, move out of that apartment to finally be a homeowner, to finally get the car that you've been envisioning and and taking screenshots and putting it up even if for your vision board like how come the next step of actually bringing that into fruition is kind of crippling why is it that we almost like use our minds in a very perverted way I asked myself the ultimate question that I'm getting ready to ask you why don't you commit to success the way that you oftentimes commit to fear. And so I felt the statement being downloaded into my soul, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> new operating system. I already feel God going ahead and just updating me as we speak. The statement was, success is inevitable. Huh? What? What you mean? Riches and fame and go? Mm-hmm. Success is inevitable. If you use the things, the people, the resources, e all the above that God gave you. When I thought about the prodigal son, my buddy was like, listen, I don't really want to wait until I'm all the way over there to get my inheritance. I want it now, sir. And then he went out on his own and he, he blew the money. <laughs> uh, shouts out to him going ahead and living a life rock style uh, that he wanted. But, you know, it didn't work out too well. And then the Bible says what? That when he was broke and he had to just go ahead and feed the pigs and he started eating a little bit of what the pigs were eating. It said that he came to, yeah, like he came into his senses again. He started thinking accurately again. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father's house. And I'm going to say, bro, I messed up. I'm sorry. Like, you got room for your boy? Like, what's up? Uh, the thing about that is he came to a different side of thinking. 
instead of feeling like, man, if I go back, my father, he ain't going to have one, nothing to do with me. He's going to be like, not you coming back. Oh, what happened? It didn't work out for you. Like, I already know I'm I'm going to hit. I'm not going to hear the end of it from my brother. I, the, the servant's going to be laughing at me. Just kind of. I love the fact that his example was, mm, I'm going to work my way into my father's good graces. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I didn't do exactly what, you know, the wisest thing or what should have been done. And I'm going to just ask him if he can just give me another chance. Like, bro, I don't even want you to take me back the way that I left. I'll go ahead and work for it. I love the fact that he was able to formulate a forward plan of success. It may not look like how it was, but like, I'm not going to stay here. Like in, in the pigsty, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not like but my father comes from money. Like, this is ridiculous. Like I, I have family here. It's not like I'm in another country. Like what's going on. And I feel like, why can't we operate like that? Like, why can't we stand on the brink of something and say, this is for me. God already ordained for something great to happen in my life. I'm, I'm, I love that it happens for the other people around me. I love that I can cheer on other people. I love that I can see success and all kind of things coming to fruition for others. But you know what? Just the way that God went ahead and did it for them, he can do it for me. He is going to do it for me. Why don't we start talking in a way that sounds like, no, no, no. It's not happenstance. It's going to happen. I think sometimes when we get to a certain portion of our walk with God, it starts to look a lot like, what if I miss him? Or what if, um, what if I don't make the right decision? And I said that I'm going to just start debunking that by doing a lot like this. Uh, if I hear God and, and I'm truthfully, sincerely seeking him, like the way that Proverbs 3 says, you know, not leaning on my own understanding, making sure that I'm seeking him. And just as simplistic as applying for a job, which I've done, a uh, job interview went great. Your girl knocked it out the park. I went home, did a little bit more research, you know, glass door, company culture, seeing what they do. And it felt wrong. And I was like, mm, God, can I say something? If you're not there, I don't want to be there. If you are not the originator of this open door, close it. Because I believe, I believe when it says that, listen, God can open up a door no man can shut. And God will shut a door that no man can open. And so when I go ahead and already allow for my stance to be known that, listen, I'm team G-O-D. <laughs> listen, Holy Spirit, I need you to be loud. You know me well enough to know what's going to get my attention and what's not. Don't don't do it where it's you you speaking in hieroglyphics. I need you, br sir. I need you to speak to me in the way that you like. Mm, that got my attention. And for me personally, God does something through my emotion. I'm not emotionally led, but emotions serve as my spiritual indicator. And I couldn't explain it. Something felt off. And I was like, hmm. Okay, and so I started to go through the process of, well, let me go ahead and tell my husband that the idea or the opportunity that I thought was going to be great, I don't feel like God is there. And so even if it requires for me to stay and remain at a current job that I don't necessarily want to be in, I am not unwise enough to think that I can jump out of the ship of safety and try to walk on water by myself and Jesus is still in a boat. <laughs> yeah, the, the dope part about Peter 
is that when he decided to do something that was against logic, against gravity, against E or the above, he was going where Jesus was at. While the disciples remained where Jesus wasn't. And so for me, taking that same illustration, I dare not try to do something brave and bold. And I'm walking out of alignment to Jesus. I'm not interested. Mm-mm. It's not an opportunity. It's not a glitz of glam. It's not a salary. It's not a position. It's not a title. It's not a car. It's not a home. It's not a, I do not want anything that God doesn't already have in his plan for me. I just, I don't, you know why I can say that with such an assertiveness, shoulders back, <laughs> head up, uh, because I lived it. I saw what it was like to cultivate my own plan. Then go ahead, do all the workings, get to a dead end or some few irritations, go back to God and say, hey, can you bless this? And he's like, uh, I don't have to bless a plan that I didn't initiate. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Did you not understand the word uh, that came through your version app? Uh, yeah, I have a plan for you. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go ahead and bless the plan that you have. That's almost the equivalent to... Um, what if you had, this is just an example. Matter of fact, I'll use a real life example. I had a particular car waiting for my son by the time that he was 17. Once I knew that he was going to be my baby that was going to get his driver's license early and he had a schedule and the basketball this and basketball that, I was like, whew, okay, let me map out a plan of how I can get this boy to and fro because uh, what I'm not going to be doing is the soccer mom life where now my whole life revolves around what time is his schedule, what time is his basketball game, what time is, mm-mm, what, what time are you, do you need gas <laughs> is the question that I want to ask so that I can go ahead and budget accordingly. Thanks. And so what happened was my my son got his let me see he got his license I think 15 ish yeah I think a little bit shy of his 15th birthday that's when he got the permit thank you he got the permit then he got his license around either shy of 16 or exactly at 16 so I knew I was like okay so by the time that he graduates I'm gonna high school I'm gonna have I'm gonna give him my car and I'm gonna move up in car right Mm mm-hmm cute uh but it just so happened that this basketball thing started taking off prior to him graduating high school and so it was giving very much you may want to give him this car now and so he was telling me like you know I just want like a and so he's naming all these particular cars that he wants and the funds that it was going to take and he was trying to raise money throughout the family and blah 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 but I could not support that plan because I already had a plan for him The plan was always going to be to give him my particular car. I would fund the gas because I knew what that gas was. It was reliable. Okay. I knew the insurance would be not too harsh being that he's a young driver. Right. And at the time of his graduation, I was going to give him a thousand dollars. I've told him that probably from the time that he was in middle school. I was like, you are going to graduate with a paid off vehicle and a thousand dollars in your pocket. And I pray that you do what you need to do accordingly with wisdom. So when he was bringing his plan to me, oh, can I have this car? And oh, this, that, and that. I was looking like, "Mm, and who's funding that? (laughs) You know, uh, sound like a good plan, but like, "Mm, no, I can't do that. And so ultimately, what was the plan that came to fruition? 
the plan that I had for my son, the plan that I have been putting in motion years before he even knew, like, you know what, I think it's time for a car. The only reason why I continue to drive a car, and I could have been upgraded a long time ago, is because I knew that this car was going to be eventually his first car. It was good condition. It was reliable. It was E or the above, right? I feel like with that particular mindset, that's the same thing that we don't really see with God. And I'm, and although we always quote it like, oh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I felt like, could we really just read that in its context? And kind of like see what it is that God was trying to portray to us. Because the more that I get further in my parent parenting and understanding parenthood in its full capacity, I, I'm starting to see God differently. And I'm like, mm, you know what, God, I, I don't even want to make anything up. I just want to read directly from your words. So let's go ahead and do that. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I read from the NLT version, right? So the famous quote uh, is originating from a letter being written to the exiles. And so Jeremiah wrote a letter and he sent it out and all these other things. So I want to go ahead and jump down to uh, verse four. So this is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Five, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Six, marry and have children. Then found spouses for them so that you may have many gear and children. Mold supply, do not dwindle away. Seven, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Eight, this is what the Lord of the armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams. Nine, because they are telling you lies in my name, I have not sent them, says the Lord. Ten, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. First of all, can I say something low-key? I feel like low-key, he just gave us, like, the description to, like, life. Like, low-key, I'm going to just give you the cheat code real quick. Y'all going to be looking into self-help gurus. You're going to be at every seminar. You're going to be on peop- other people's uh, lines to get their signature for their self-help book and all this stuff. But, like, low-key, he just kind of gave you, like, mm, yeah, I'm going to give you the cliff notes real quick. Um, build homes and plan to stay, mm-hmm. a.k.a. plant roots, right? Um, anyone who feels like they are not succeeding in life and they're not moving forward in life more than likely it's because they don't have anything tangible or meaningful in their opinion that shows that they planted roots what does plant root means it means that you either have established a career and that's the career that you're satisfied with that you have established where you want to raise 
your family or where you personally just want to live. And so that's where you establish home. Like every single person needs their own specified acreage to say, this is mine. This is what I'm going to invest in. This is what I'm going to make my safe haven. This is where I'm going to invest my time in. So it's very important that the places that you reside the most, both work and home, should be the places that you have identified as these are the locations where I want to dig roots into. Because you don't just look at the tree of your life and say, eh, I don't like that particular fruit and keep plucking it. Like if you go into the proverbial garden of your life and you see an orange tree and you keep picking the oranges because you don't like oranges, the fruit isn't the problem, which you planted. The tree <laughs> is the issue. So if you don't like what you see being fulfilled aka you don't like the fruit stop picking at it and picking at it and just decide to be brave enough to uproot it because you are not benefiting from this particular tree and let that mean to you what it needs to mean to you you understand what I'm trying to say though okay and so build homes it says in five and plan to stay Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. AKA, I'm going to need you to listen. Most of your food should be coming from the garden, okay? Listen, I'm not one to gossip. I'm not one to try to make nobody no vegetarian, no vegan. Um, but it's right here in these biblical streets. The Bible says plant and eat the food they produce. So um, if you're not feeling your best, you may want to look at your diet, okay? And go ahead and say, mm, yeah, let me go ahead and start putting more lively things into my diet so that I can start seeing and feeling lively. Hmm? Okay. Um, six, marry and have children. You mean in that order? Mm-hmm. You mean, oh, oh, I feel like you picking on me because I didn't do it the right way. Well, you know what? Uh, most people didn't follow the plan that wasn't laid out for them. Like, how would you have known to manufacture uh, or manage your money in a way if nobody showed you how to? How would you have known how to properly uh, deal with certain bosses and personalities if no one showed you how to? More importantly, how would you have known uh, to choose the proper mate or choose the proper spouse if no one showed you? So you know what happens to uh, plants that are not watched? They bloom anyway. They just don't have any guidance or directional as to where to bloom toward. Mm -hmm. Whenever my son used to tell me about certain kids that I knew that when we, he grew up with, and he'd be like, you know what's happening to such and such, blah, blah, blah. The line that I would say to him immediately was, it's a shame what happens to unwatched flowers, right? And so he knows what I mean by that. But what I'm explaining to you, what I mean by that is every person grows, but who's watering it? Who's making sure that it gets the sunshine it needs? Who's making sure that the pot size is what it's supposed to be? And listen to me, I am not the grandbaby with the green thumb, okay? Unless it's gang green, gang gang, uh, it's not me. But I do understand uh, that the Bible has a lot of agriculture and farmer-like examples and when God says things like he's the vine and, you know, Jesus is the branch and the gardener and starts using all that, it starts to make me realize that we grow one way or another. The weeds grow too. <laughs> weeds grow, poison ivy grows, all types of things grow. But when you are not there to groom, to tr 
trim, to prune, then the growth is actually not for your benefit. You see what I'm saying? Okay, let's go back to it. Okay, so six says marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. What that mean? That means uh, you should have been mm, in company of your children long enough to know what environments and what people and personalities is going to best suit them. That's why I'm not going to hold you. I low-key believe in um, arranged marriages. Like, if I if I had to, I'm... I would want to hook my daughter and my son up. I ain't going to hold you. Because I could look at a situation, I could look at a person with the wisdom that I have obtained and my own personal experiences and what God has given me. I could look at a situation and go, don't even waste your time. Never trust a big money smile. I, I can, sir, it ain't going to take me but two. Let me see a picture. Okay, and then let me see her parent. Oh, okay. See, that's the problem right there. And we can go ahead and um skip all kind of generational curses and bondage and just not be interested in, uh yeah, the selfie. Mm-mm. I'm not interested. Multiply. Don't dwindle away, right? Seven. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city I sent you into exile. Meaning that um, how I interpreted that is is God has sent everyone somewhere, right? I'm originally from New York. I've always felt the need to come down to Georgia. I don't ask. I just immediately felt like this was home. Never been here ever, ever, ever. Came down here when I was 14 for the Olympics and was like, one day I want to live here. Um, born and raised in New York and knew that I didn't want to stay there long term. It was just too busy, too fast, too rude, too the real estate just wasn't given what it was supposed to be giving. Uh, why are you paying that much in rent? The square footage, the the expenses on the insurance for cars. It was just like, Brett, anywhere can I get a, um, is there a pocket space of peace? <laughs> like outside of my family living here, I don't really think I want to do this long term. It just, for some reason, I knew innately before the age of 15, that that wasn't a place that I was going to dig dig and, and have roots in. And so I believe that God assigns us to be certain places. It may be the same state, just a different county. It may be where you were uh, compassed to and called to may be different from someone else's, but that's the place where you will find your success. That's the place where you will find your prosperity. I truly feel like there is an internal GPS system that God is like, you will always feel what people like to say. Something feels off. I don't feel complete. It feels empty because you did not locate the coordinates. And it's really not that hard. It's as simple as following your peace. I promise you, if you just let peace be your guide, go ahead and pray. Ask God to close things that is not for you, that was not assigned by him. I promise you what he would do for you, no one else could ever, ever do. And that's why I think that in this particular chapter in Jeremiah 29 he's saying like yo don't let fortune tellers and, and prophets and all the people who try to trick you into thus saith the Lord and I feel like this is your husband and that's your particular what have you and you you know you have this but then people trying to speak things over to you they can speak what they want the Bible says that man prophesizes in part I need you to understand that God has already ordained something over you and nine times out of ten you're not going to get the complete picture until you sit with him and get get the vision and once he gives you the vision you need to write out okay so from what God gave me this is how I feel I can go ahead and put this into fruition I love it when I was watching uh looking up Tabitha Brown's uh 
IG one day. And that's when she was initiating and kind of saying that she wanted to do tab time. And she said that four years ago, God told her, I need you to go ahead. And I mentioned this to you before, but it's worth re-mentioning. But she said that God told her that he wanted her to go ahead and change the world. And she was like, well, how do I do that? And so over the course of sitting with that particular directive, she decided she wanted to do it through children and create the whole, it's tab time. And my thing is this, that is the epitome of God. He's never, ever, ever going to make you a robot where it's do this, do that, do this, do that, now do this, now do that, which is what some of us, especially rule followers, want him to do. You want him to tell you A and all that it embodies, B, all that it embodies, okay, C, all that it embodies, and that's not like God. God is the God that gives you trees and says, if you want to write something, figure it out. Okay, well, you want to sit down, there are the trees. Hmm? Okay, uh, you have a taste for apple pie there's an apple tree yeah he's not the god that gives you the entire recipe meal the name of the meal how you pitch it it's just because i feel like if i'm honest that god finds great joy in the creation process and being that he already created the heavens and the earths and everything above it and within it and beneath it and all that stuff, I think because that's how we met him, I think that because that is his essence, he kind of redevelops or enhances the need to create all over again by watching us. Like it, it's it's almost like becoming an adult and Christmas is not really the same, but you love looking at Christmas or experiencing Christmas through your children's eyes. Like, I think he loves the fact that if I, if I whisper an idea into your heart and I give you an enough personality and, and let you see how your particular characteristics aligns perfectly for this particular whisper, that's called passion. And I feel like he literally wants to see, will your passion ignite your purpose? And will you stick to it enough to see it through? Will you stick through it enough to see, okay, you know what? I can't see the ins and outs of this, but I can see that as I'm maneuvering through this, this is good. As I'm discussing and, and telling other people the idea that I feel safe and called to tell, hmm, don't be Joseph. <laughs> he told his brothers, and they were like, don't, got to kill you, bro. Uh, yeah, got to put you in somebody's pit. Yeah, be very careful on who you share, but that's between you and the Lord. But as you're starting to kind of research some stuff, and you kind of seeing the ins and outs, like you, it's almost like all of it is aiding to your rev up, to your passion. And I feel like God wants us to continuously have that in mind. God wants us to continuously say, why would God give me this particular passion, this, this particular idea, this particular whatever, if he wasn't going to allow me to secure the promise? I need for us to understand that Jeremiah 29, 11 is not just this real, you know, good Bible verse that churches kind of built their, you know, mission on and this and the third. Like th this really is the truth. Like, and I'm going to go ahead and reread it. Uh, Jeremiah 29, I'm going to do 11 and 12. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. But 13, 
If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Can I tell you something? I want you to go ahead and go secure the promise. I want you to go ahead and trick yourself into fulfilling the promise. <laughs> I want Just like we can trick ourselves and, and subscribe to fear, I want you to tr- trick yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to start operating in this. And this is your challenge. I'm going to operate in the parameter of this particular statement. Success is inevitable because I'm truly and sincerely seeking God. Success is inevitable because I am sincerely and truly seeking God. Now, keep this in mind. Success for each of us looks different, right? Business owner, entrepreneurship, climbing the career ladder, getting that particular home, being able to just go ahead and pay all your debt off, being able to finally say goodbye to student loan. Success looks different, and that's why maturity has to help you. And the Holy Spirit has to help you form the idea of what is success. To some people, traveling the world is success. To some people, that would be torture. And I'm raising my hand a little bit. Yeah, I don't, all that traveling up and down, I I mean, it's not for me. You know, it's, it's just is what it is. For some people, their dream car is uh, six figures. Somebody else's dream car is what somebody probably makes at a part-time salary. But if that is success for you, go secure the promise. It's already made. Listen, my son didn't have to beg for the car that I already had planned for him. He just had to get to the proper coordinates of being able to drive and being able to uh, get his license. He had to take driver's license uh, practices, and I had to get him into, mm -hmm, I did it. I got him into a driving school, even though my husband taught him how to drive and all that cool. I wasn't getting behind that because I was realmom.com. Watch yourself. You didn't see that. So I knew I didn't have the pressure, Mm -mm, nor the calling. It was not my ministry, so I knew. So my husband was able to confirm, yeah, he's a good driver. And I was like, cool. So um, an extra layer to that is that he has to go to driving school. So he went to driving school as well. And then he, you know, he already had his license. So it was like, oh, bet, nothing else to talk about. Uh, Here you go. Let's start operating in that. Let's start even praying that. And Father, I pray it right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we find out the coordinates to our promise receiver. The promise is there. You already made the plans. You already have, have it lined out. You're not creating it as you go. You already have this lined out from the beginning to the end. We are currently living in the dash of that moment. And so, Father God, right now, I ask you to download into all of us, literally, specified, customized the way that you have us to be. I pray that we find the coordinates and that we are not called to anywhere where Christ is not. And that we are very clear about the distractions, whether it be in our own thoughts, whether it be with people. And we cast that down right now in the mighty name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful, God, that you allow us to get to certain parts of the utopia. But you know what? At this point, God, we are no longer going to be satisfied with the postcard. We actually want to see the promised land. And I'm thankful that as we're growing together and individually, that we at least can acknowledge that we're growing. We're better than we were three months ago. We're better than we were last year. And so at this moment, God, we want our maturity to shape within us with the help of the Holy Spirit what success truly is. 
Father, we thank you that you are just, you're a sentence away. You're, you're a statement away. You're a word away. Hello, hi, dad, whatever. However we approach your throne boldly, God, I'm thankful that your promises are yes and amen for our lives. And I pray that from this phone call on and going forward, that we would not have anything in us that will try to trick us out of our promise anymore. If it's people, God, help us to have the strength to eliminate them. If it's phone calls, help those calls to drop so that we do not have to hear it. Help us to be really, 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 really selective on what we hear because we know that salvation and faith comes by hearing the word. So we're going to be careful on what we allow for us to hear on a day-to-day basis. God, I thank you. I thank you that success is inevitable when we follow you truly and sincerely. I thank you that you even give us the opportunity to get right, to come back, to if we if we need to do something different, we recalculate. I thank you that you know how to lead us. You know where to take us and you know what we should go. And you are the best leader. You are the best dad. You are the best creator. You are the alpha and omega you are mighty god you are our provider you are everything god and we are so thankful that we don't have to seek anyone else for advice we can always just come to you you're never busy god you're never busy you you never have something else to do you never have to put us on hold thank you for being so attentive as we secure this promise and it's in jesus mighty name that i pray through the blood of jesus amen and amen I'm excited. I'm excited. Dream again. Hope again. Tell yourself it's happening. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. It's happening. Listen, eventually it has all commas turn to periods. You understand? Like at this point it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. And I don't care what has happened. I know what God has in the queue. Do you understand that? And you truly got to believe that. I can't believe it for you. No one can believe it for you. You are the most important person to your calling, to your purpose, and to your promise. I believe wholeheartedly that success is inevitable. And that will be the secondary mission statement for the rest of my life. We'll talk. All right, but look, um, I feel like you got what you needed. <laughs> you know what these conversations are. Yeah, there are... What are these conversations? They are life-provoking conversations. Mm-hmm. Conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl? Very good, because I was like, why are you not finishing a statement? But listen, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go um, for no other reason, but I'm going to call you later. Okay? Later.